0: The views and opinions expressed on my story, Living With Lupus Podcast, represents each person's individual experience. By listening to this podcast or reading our blog, you agree not to use this podcast or or blog as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. As always, consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. My Story Living with Lupus podcast is officially trademarked, all rights reserved. join me for another episode of My Story Living with Lupus. On this Friday, we'll be discussing the Hatch-Waxman Act, and I want to tell you about a supplement that I am taking, and I'm off of one of my medications, so you know what to do. That's right. Grab your cup of coffee, your cup of tea, and if you're listening late at night, you know I appreciate you. Grab your favorite glass of wine and come on and join me. from my podcast that I have had all the signs and symptoms of lupus since the age of five, but was not clinically diagnosed to 2004. I had to been about 44, 45. Yeah, I'm 58 now. And I, one day I was strolling through my IG feed and this particular page that I follow had an advertisement for this herb and I said hmm I did my research on it and then that night I told my sister I said I need to come off of some of this medication that they have me on because it's not making me feel better it's making me feel worse and I told her I said I wish that one of us or all of us paid attention to the natural herbs that our parents used on us when we became sick. And she said, yeah. And so I told her about this particular herb. And she said, try it. I said, I am. And so I ordered it that night. It came. to time. Delivery time was exceptional, and I had an appointment with my cardiologist and rheumatologist, so I took the bottle in. The first appointment was with my cardiologist, and I told him, I said, I'm going to start taking this, and he looked at the ingredients it had in it. He said, it's all natural, but I doubt if it will help, and I said to myself, "Mm mm-hmm, He said, I've had a lot of patients to take this, and it did not um, do them any good, so they stayed. But he said, go ahead and try it. Okay, I got his approval. Next appointment was with the rheumatologist, and I took the bottle out, and I said, is it okay for me to take this? He said, Susan, I told you I'd rather see you on Natural herbs instead of taking all of this medication that you're on. He said, Sure, try it. It's no problem with me. I said, Okay. So I started taking it, and my sister noticed that um, how I was acting. And she told me, she said, I checked in on you. And she said, you were dead to the world. You were knocked out. I said to her, I have never slept through the night like that. And so I jumped up out of bed, um, went down on the lower level on my total gym machine and started working out. And she said, you tired? I said, nope. I said, I got a lot of energy. She said, you in pain. I said, nope. I said, I feel no pain at all. So she came in that night and she said, what else is that oil you use good for? And I told her, well, I asked her why. And she said, my arthritis in my knees and my legs and my hands are really bothering me. Do you mind if I use some? I said, no. So I poured half of my bottle out into a container for her. So she began to rub her legs and her hands in this oil. And... um. I told her the next morning, I said, you were totally knocked out. She said, I know. My legs felt so much better and my hands too. She said, look, look at my hands. The swelling has gone out of my hands. She said, when is the next time you're going to order some more? And I said, it'll probably be in June. And she said, okay, do you mind ordering me a bottle? I said, sure. But in turn, she told a friend of mine, and so there was some more I had to give out to this friend, because they were experiencing pain in the elbow, and their hands were really swollen due to the arthritis. They tried it, and they let me see their hands. The swelling from the arthritis had went out of their hands, out of their fingers, and they said their elbow felt good and they wanted me to order them a bottle. So I told them, sure, I'll order you a bottle in June when I order mine. I said, so that's three bottles. The oil that I'm talking about is black human seed oil. It comes from the plant Nigella sativa, which is part of the buttercup family. And a native to countries throughout Southern Europe and Southern Asia. Some people call it black seed, caraway oil. Let me tell you, this oil has done wonders for me. I'm not joking. I'm not trying to sell you anything. But let me tell you, I'm no longer in pain. I don't feel fatigued. The gastro problems that I was having are gone. Um, this may be too much TMI, but I'm going to the bathroom regularly. Um, it would be sometimes weeks before I could eliminate. Um, it is really good. It promotes heart health supports normal blood pressure, reduces redness and swelling, discourages abnormal cell growth, protects against radiation, encourages normal blood sugar levels, it boosts the immune system, supports lung health, resists harmful organisms, Supports liver function, improves gut health, and also it assists with weight loss. Now, to read more on this, you can go to Global Health Centers to read more or go over to IG to Vintage Underscore vegan underscore and read all the testimonials about black cumin seed oil. And guess what? If I didn't mention it before, I'm off of one of my medications. So check vintage underscore vegan underscore out on IG. That's V-I-N-T-A-G-E underscore V-E-G-A-N underscore and tell them Susan sent you from my story living with lupus the Hatch Waxman act what is it now we've all taken generic medication but do you know where they're made do you think they're made in the United States or overseas? Well, the bill now known as the Hatch-Waxman Act proposed by Senators Orrin Hatch and Henry A. Waxman was approved in 1984. The bill altered the pharmaceutical field substantially as it established government regulations for generic drugs in the United States and made it easier for generic drugs to enter the market. Since the approval of the Act, the number of generic drugs available to consumers has increased. Branded drugs typically lose more than 40% of their market share to their generic counterparts. Before the Hatch-Waxman Act, was approved, only about 35% of brand-name drugs had to contend with a generic competitor. Nowadays, nearly all drugs are faced with generic copycats. The Hatch-Waxman Bill, known officially as the Drug Price Competition and Patent Term Restoration Act, Public Law 98-417 brought about the following changes. Generic drugs no longer need to prove their safety. Under the bill, generic drug manufacturers need only submit an abbreviated new drug application to prove their product's bioequivalence. To the original branded drug. This is a cheaper process for manufacturers as the costs of conducting clinical and non-clinical studies or risking liability for patent infringement damages are not a part of the equation for the generic drug manufacturers. Generic drugs are granted a 180-day period of exclusivity. Either the first drug to file an ANDA or the first group of drugs is granted this period. Manufacturers filing ANDAs can only do so for drugs that have not been patented. ANDAs can only be filed when a branded drug's patent has expired. Generic drugs cannot go on to the market until the branded patent has expired. Branded drug's patents must not have been infringed or proven invalid. If a patent is shown to be invalid, the FDA must wait 30 months until it approves a generic. Because branded drugs lose so much of their revenue when generic drugs are introduced, the Act provides them with patent extensions options, which now average about three years. You may state, why is she doing her show on this? What does this have to do with lupus? It has a lot to do with it. It has a lot to do with not only lupus, but someone who is on high blood pressure medication, heart medication, seizure medication. It is not just a lupus problem. It's a society problem, and you'll understand if you just listen further. What led to the introduction of the bill? Various conditions led to the need for reforms in drug price competition and patent terms. Government drug regulations stemming from 1962 made it hard for generic drug manufacturers to get their products on the market. Before 1962, all drugs were approved for safety, but not for effectiveness. Yet due to the vigilance of a U.S. Food and Drug Administration medical officer, Dr. Francis Kelsey, A public health tragedy was prevented when she ensured that the sedative thylidomide was never approved in the United States, although thylidomide was being used in many countries and was leading to countless women giving birth to children with extremely severe birth. Defects. Dr. Kelsey discovered that it had never been tested on pregnant animals. After that, in 1962, Congress added a requirement that drug manufacturers had to also prove the effectiveness of their products before FDA could approve them for marketing. This change in requirements and regulations led to generic companies simply not spending the time and money doing the clinical trials to get to market post-1962. The approval of the Hatch-Waxman Act in 1984 change regulation practices for generic drugs to make it easier to introduce them to market while still deeming as safe and effective. Now don't forget, under the Hatch-Waxman Act, generic drugs no longer need To prove their safety and efficacy under the bill, generic drug manufacturers need only submit an abbreviated new drug application known as ANDA to prove their products bioequivalence to the original branded drug. This is a cheaper process for manufacturers. Did you hear me? A cheaper process for manufacturers as the cost of conducting clinical and non-clinical studies or risking liability for patent infringement damages are not a part of the equation for the generic drug manufacturers. To me, it sounds like the bottom line is the dollar. How much can we make off of it? We don't have time to do any clinical trials. Let's get it out there. By this short application, we can get it out there quick. What do you think about that? But listen further. entrepreneur, and creator of Right Side of 50, and I am my sister's keeper. Sheila Smith, Motivational and Empowerment Speaker, is available for your next empowerment event and conference. You can book her for your next event at rightsideof50 at gmail.com. That's R-I-G-H-T-S-I-D-E-O-F-5-0 at gmail.com. Or call at 678 293 Each one encourage one. The author of Positive Energy 24-7 And his latest book, It Was Destined, Urban Legend. He's Detroit's own author, Henry Long. To purchase an autograph copy of his book and to purchase his ebook, go to Right Path 247. Dot com. That's WRITEPATH247.com. You can also follow him on Instagram at RightPath247. In the book Bottle of Lies. The Inside Story of Generic Drug Boom by Katherine Eben. Many have hailed the widespread use of generic drugs as one of the most important public health developments of the 21st century. Today, almost 90% of our pharmaceutical market is comprised of generics the majority of which are manufactured overseas we have been reassured by our doctors our pharmacists and our regulators that generic drugs are identical to their brand name counterparts just less expensive but is this really true In this book, Catherine Evans' Bottle of Lies exposes the deceit behind generic drug manufacturing and the attendant risks for global health, drawing exclusive accounts from whistleblowers and regulators, as well as thousands of pages of confidential FDA documents. Evan reveals an industry where fraud is rampant, companies routinely falsify data, and executives circumvent almost every principle of safe manufacturing to minimize costs and maximize profit. Confident in their ability to fool inspectors, Meanwhile, patients unwittingly consume medicine with unpredictable and dangerous effects. The story of generic drugs is truly global. It connects middle America to China, India, sub-Saharan, Africa, and Brazil, and represents the ultimate litmus test of globalization. What are the risks of moving drug manufacturing offshore, and are they worth the savings? A decade-long investigation with international sweep, high stakes, brinkmanship, and big money at its core. Bottle of Lies reveals how the world's greatest public health innovation has become one of its most astonishing swindles.
1: Drugs are a version of the brand name drug. They're not an identical copy, but generic companies reverse engineer. They break down the brand name drug and figure out how to remake it. They have to use the same molecule. They have to use the same route of administration, whether it's swallowing a pill, injecting, uh, and then they have to submit an application to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. And the FDA reviews data to uh, see whether those drugs are bioequivalent. Do they reach the same peak concentration of drug in the blood? And if if the FDA deems that they do, they are approved to make a generic version. 90% of our drug supply is generic the majority of those drugs come from overseas. 40% alone of all of our generics are manufactured in India. And if you go to uh, a pharmacy, you will automatically be switched to a generic drug if one is available. Uh, What's interesting to me is even though the name of the manufacturer will be on the label, consumers will not have information about where those drugs are manufactured. Why, did they ever? I'm not sure that they ever did, but the companies claim it's proprietary. So for the U.S. consumer, they're getting less information about where their drugs are made than where their cereal is made, where their shirt is manufactured. That information is simply not available, and you have to be, uh, unfortunately, an investigative journalist to figure out where those drugs are manufactured.
2: companies named in the lawsuit have strongly denied any wrongdoing and have pledged to vigorously defend themselves in court. Chip Davis is the chief executive officer of the trade group that represents the makers of generic prescription drugs, the Association for Accessible Medicines. Mr. Davis, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for the opportunity to be here. You heard what the attorney general uh, said, uh, largest corporate cartel in history, overt brazen collusion What's your response?
3: Yeah, again, well, thank you for having me. My initial response to what General Tong said is that facts are important here. Uh, Conjecture isn't. Speculation isn't. Trying a case in the court of public opinion that should be tried in the courts is not the way to ensure that patients have access to safe, affordable, and effective medicine. You even referenced in your introduction with the general that nine out of every ten prescriptions in the United States are now generic. We just released on behalf of our members a report that says that 90% of all prescription drugs are available for only 22% of total costs to the to the healthcare prescription drug dollar. That is an amazing value proposition that you can't see anywhere else in healthcare. So to suggest that an entire industry is engaged in some sort of corporate criminal cartel is not just a disservice to the industry, it's a disservice to the patients who rely on the
2: industry. And, and but he also pointed out that 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 some of the Data that, uh, that the industry has put out showing the decrease in, in generic uh, sure. drug prices yeah, we put that out that there was a spike there was a spike in uh, from two thousand and twelve to two thousand and fourteen, which is the period they 're talking about that this activity took place well, in your interview, what I saw it was very hard to tell
3: if General Tong was talking about present day or a time period that you just referenced, which was the two thousand and eleven to fourteen time frame. Full candor, that preceded my time at the association when I came, it was the Generic Pharmaceutical Association, we're now AAM. But here's what I will tell you. The reference and the example he uses, because it's a drug he's on, doxycycline, he talks about a price increase back in that time frame that had a significant percentage price increase. Now remember, percentage price increases off of a low cost look different than a small percentage over a high-priced biologic drug. But do you know what the cost of doxycycline is today? $14 for a 30-day supply he conveniently and the other attorneys generals conveniently leave out the fact that there have been 37 straight months of generic price deflation in this industry in part because of the evolution the consolidation of health care buyers this industry is actually facing real sustainability challenges they aren't focused on colluding with each other they're trying to figure out a way that they can sustain their business operations so that base patients can continue to benefit from the drugs that they provide
2: what about getting back to some of the specifics of what mr tong had to say he said he has that they were able to subpoena in their investigation text messages in which discussions about price increases and the response by a a particular manufacturer and then the response by the other manufacturers that will go along, will play nice. They talk about uh, uh, accepting their fair share rather than competing.
3: Well, I can't comment on any of the specifics of the investigation. AAM is not a party to it. What I will stipulate too is that these are serious allegations. And if there is any evidence of anti-competitive behavior by a small subset of the industry, then that will ultimately be borne out. And those individuals and the companies they work for will be held to account. Mm -hmm. But he talked about roughly about 100 drugs, if my memory serves me correctly. On any given day, there are over 2,000 generics on the marketplace. So that's that's 5% of the total number of generics on the marketplace today. And a smaller percentage of the total of 10,000 generics that have been approved by the food drug administration over the years. So this effort in the public domain to cast an entire industry where, and I've heard him say that people wake up every day, go to their place of business and commit crimes. I think that's actually with respect to the general irresponsible statement, the members that I know, and the people that work there get up every day with one mission in mind. They want to make sure that they can go and produce safe, high quality, effective medicines at a price that patients can afford. There's no way you're 90% of scripts and 22% of total costs, unless that
2: is your mission. Pure and simple. Chip Davis, CEO of the Association for Accessible Medicines. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time.
0: Premio Handmade Gemstone Bracelets. Carries an array of men's and women's bracelets, along with a line of lupus awareness and cancer awareness gemstone bracelets. You can follow them on Facebook or visit their store at Etsy.com or their website at www.premiobracelets.com. That's P R E M I O. B R A C E L E T S dot com. Abundant Harvest Aquaponics, planting seeds to grow food and creating opportunities for people and families. You can contact this nonprofit organization at www.abundantharvestaquaponics.org If you would like to appear on an episode of My Story, Living with Lupus, you can contact us at mystorylivingwithlupus at gmail.com Also visit us on our Instagram page and also our website My Story Living With Lupus I hope that you found this segment informative I pray that you have found the strength ask questions to your health care providers. Before I leave, I want to leave you with this thought. The warrior fights only for peace. The war to end all wars is the battle for the human heart. I am always reminded that it is not God created humanity to live in violence, but rather it is humanity that chooses violence. God is tainted by being part of our story, but the story of God is a story of peace. He did not hope for peace. He fought for peace. The language of God as a warrior came to exist because he intervened for the defenseless. More than any of us, God understands the war that rages within and around us and longs to lead us to the end of violence. We are people of war because we are a people at war. The way of a warrior is the way of Jesus. While others hoped he would call out an army inside a rebellion and use his power to topple an empire, he chose a different way. He understood the source of all wars. He knew it all began In the human heart, the greatest enemies of the peace within are worry and fear. You see, we have no control over the reality that in this world we will have trouble. But we have control over whether we decide to allow our hearts to be troubled. While worry will rob our joy, fear will steal our freedom. For what we fear establishes the boundaries of our freedom. What we fear has mastery over our souls. You see, depression is how your soul processes regrets and anxiety is how your soul processes fear when we are anxious we lose our strength when we are afraid we lose our courage when we have found peace we have both the strength and the courage to live the lives we were created to live, Peace does not come when you finally have control over your life. Peace comes when you no longer need control. You cannot control your circumstances, but you can control your character. You cannot control the actions of others, but you can control the choices you make. You cannot control the outcome, but you can control the process. It may seem like a small thing, but when you get up in the morning and face your fears, you are participating in the redemption of the universe. When you refuse to allow yourself to be paralyzed by the uncertainty of tomorrow, and set forth with courage and faith, you become part of creating a new world, a better world. What fear in your life has mastery over your soul? How is that fear creating boundaries to your freedom? Are you allowing anxiety To take your strength or regret to lead you to despair? How can you begin to relinquish the need for control over your life to God? I'm Susan Hendricks, your host for my story Living with Lupus. I'll see you next time. opinions expressed on my story, Living With Lupus Podcast represents each person's individual experience. By listening to this podcast or reading our blog, you agree not to use this podcast or blog as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. As always, consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. My Story Living with Lupus podcast is officially trademarked, all rights reserved.